Hey, is this thing on? Are we recording? Can I get a tech person? Oh, for the love of ed tech. Hi, I'm Kara. And I'm Corinne. And this is our podcast, For the Love of EdTech. Corinne and I are educational consultants for two of Ohio's EdTech agencies, CET in Cincinnati and Soida in Dayton. One of the questions that we get asked most often is, how do I do what you do? How do I get a job in educational technology? So we thought that we'd start out this very first episode of For the Love of EdTech by talking about our own journeys to educational technology and basically how we ended up here. Kara, do you want to start by telling us about your journey to this job? So my journey, like so many in this industry, is a little zigzaggy. So I started off my journey as a Title I teacher helping kids struggling with math. And from there, I ended up teaching primary, kindergarten, and first grade. And I had an off year or random year where I taught PE for grades K through five. And after that, I ended up moving to two different states. (laughs) And I finally ended up, Ohio was my final destination. And so then I got a job here as a preschool teacher and then eventually moved into the library for a K through six building and was an elementary librarian. And through developing the makerspace there and working with students with technology, it led me into this opportunity to teach educators about using technology with students. Which is what we love to yes. do. It's so much fun. My journey is not quite as zigzaggy as Kara's, but I actually started out teaching in middle childhood. So I taught middle school, reading language arts and social studies for a couple of years. And then I took a year off and worked as a graduate assistant while I got my master's in library media. And then I was a K-8 librarian at a charter school in downtown Dayton. We did that for a year. And then this job presented itself to me. So I've been with Soida teaching ed tech and doing professional development for teachers for this is my 10th year and I love it. It's the best job I've ever had and I can't imagine doing anything else. So Kara mentioned that we are both educational consultants, Kara for CET and myself for Soida. And you're probably wondering what that means. So an educational consultant for one of the state ed tech agencies actually does a lot of different things, but our primary goal is to support educators in the use of technology in their classrooms in order to enhance their lessons and positively impact the learning of their students. And that can look a lot of different ways. So one of the things that we do a lot of is provide professional development to teachers, whether that's us offering a class in our labs, either in Dayton or in Cincinnati, or with a school district contacting us. So for example, school district might contact us and say, we really want our teachers to start creating their own class websites. So we need training on Google Sites, for example. So we would talk with that district leaders there planning that PD or professional development to determine what the needs are, what the outcomes might look like once the teachers have the training. And we'll kind of tailor a training or professional development to those teachers and the needs of that school district and students. We also 
take a lot of time researching different tools. We try to stay on top of things. If you ask teachers what one of the hurdles is for them to adopt technology, a lot of them are going to tell you time. I don't have time to do this. Teachers do a lot um, of stuff that you'd never even see if you aren't involved in education, you aren't working with teachers. So there's a lot going on beyond just going to school every day and teaching students. So they are very limited on time. So we do that research for them. We spend time trying out new tools, reading articles, watching videos, attending webinars and conferences and things like that. We try to find the best and newest technology and highlight that for teachers and find ways to deliver that to them so that they can kind of learn more about it, see if they want to pursue that and use that in their classroom, whether that's through a training or a screencast that we might share, videos, etc. So we do that as well. We also develop online courses through Teacher Campus. So we'll we'll link that in the notes if you're interested in that. That's an online learning platform that we've developed in collaboration with WOSU Classroom in Columbus. So we develop online classes. And then another thing that we do that a lot of people don't realize we do is offer content for students programs, which are video conferencing programs for students. They're standard aligned and they're on all different topics. I think the most popular topics are usually the holiday programs. And Kara can attest to this because she does a lot of our Christmas programs. We do Christmas around the world, which is super fun. We do math is spectacular, which is like a Halloween theme that has a math focus. We do Thanksgiving. And then we also do just kind of your curricular area stuff the, the highlights, if you will, like electricity and plants and the water cycle, tons of fun stuff that we do that's really interactive. So we're in a lot of different hats. We're involved in a lot of different projects, both locally and throughout the state. But our primary goal is always to serve the teachers and the students through educational technology, providing those supports and skills and tools to help them integrate technology and make it fun and not too much of a headache. Because I I know it's always like there's one more thing, right, Kara? When you're teaching, there's always something new. There's always one more thing you have to do. And sometimes for teachers, when they hear that there's a new technology, it, it doesn't feel like good news. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's like, put your fingers in your ears and la, la, la. Like, no, not one more <laughs> thing. So it's our hope that we can deliver it in a way that is both exciting, that gets them excited to use it, but it's also attainable. So they feel like this is something I can do. That's always the goal, to get yeah. them ready to use it. There's It's one thing to show somebody a tool. It's another thing to give them the skills and opportunity to de- to develop those skills, I guess, uh, to actually use it in the classroom. So we want to go from theory to application. Yes. As painlessly as possible. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to throw this in on the end, just touching on our content for students programs. We partner with CILC for those programs and mm-hmm. They're a great organization. It's through the Ohio Distance Learning Association. It's yes. all this interconnectivity. And if you haven't heard of CILC, I recommend that you check it out. Yeah. If, you, if you're from Ohio and you've never participated in one of these, now is the time. Check it out. You can, you can join via Zoom. If you have an old school video conferencing system that's not in use, and you can use that too or we're always willing to try to connect, but 
a lot of our connections are actually out of state and, and out, of, out country. of the country. <laughs> we do a lot with Canada. I've done some with Mexico. I don't know what, what's been lately. Indiana and New Jersey, all over the place. Louisiana. So, yeah. Yeah. Louisiana. All over. So Kara, I want to ask you a question, ed tech related question, because I always think this is very interesting and it's also so varied. No matter the age of the educator, it's, it's always kind of different. So tell me your first memory of using technology in the classroom. So I feel like my first memory probably stems back to, I don't know, first or second grade and going to computer class and always wanting to be, you know, at the front of the line because you always had to, you know, start a line at the floppy disk holder in order to select what you wanted for the day. And I always wanted math munchers. I remember (laughs) math munchers. Yes, Yes. or the Oregon Trail, but like Oregon Trail was one of those that you were like, "Mm, I'm probably not going to get it because everybody wants the Oregon Trail. Got to have a backup plan, right? Yes. Yeah. So that one's going to go fast. Yes. So I think that's probably my earliest memory is just, you know, computer class and you spent, you know, like 20, 30 minutes just playing games on the computer and then your teacher came and picked you up. (laughs) And that was computer class. Exactly. I think Kara and I probably just dated ourselves a little bit when we were talking about our favorite um, things to do in computer lab when we were talking about math munchers and Oregon Trail. And as much as it it pains my heart to say, there's probably (laughs) some of you that are wondering what the heck math munchers and Oregon Trail are. That really hurts. That one cut me deep. Um, (laughs) So Kara, can can you start off? We'll start off talking about math munchers. Can you tell us a little bit about that that game? Yeah, so it, it was really a game for computer yes. class. <laughs> yeah, and if you're not familiar with Math Munchers and you're you are curious, um, I'm pretty sure that you can YouTube it. I think there's yeah. some guys that um, have made you can videos. Still maybe even download it. You I'll might, yeah, you might be able to. So Math Munchers, the way I like to kind of think of it is, you know, the Whammy Show. The, yeah, no, no whammies, whammies, no whammies, no whammies. No whammies. Stop. <laughs> That's dating ourselves too, though. You know that. The, right? yeah. <laughs> the, I always think like the character on Math Munchers reminds me of the whammy. But yeah. it was this character that would run around on a board. Well, you would control him around on a board going around eating math answers. So it might be like all the prime numbers. It might be odd numbers. It might be the answers to different equations. And this little guy, you moved him around on a little board and ate math answers. Okay. So Oregon Trail, like the greatest of all time, OG video game, right? I mean, as far as like educational, I don't, I don't want to like spark any arguments with any of you online gaming people, because I'm sure there's, (laughs) I'm sure there's a debate of the greatest of all time, but as far as school appropriate video games go, Oregon Trail was it, right? Mm -hmm. So you created your person. You are going to set out on the Oregon Trail in a covered wagon with your family, who you also name. Mm-hmm. You're going to go and you're going to buy supplies. And I feel like there wasn't a lot of guidance here because I feel like we were set up for failure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah. you would buy supplies. You're like, how many oxen do I need? How many bags of whatever? What what all would we buy? Extra wheels and axles. Grain. And grain and 
foodstuffs and I don't know. I just remember breaking a breaking an axle or someone getting sick or needing to cross a river. Yeah. Dysentery was yeah. It was a problem. Dysentery was a problem. So you would set out on the trail and there were all these different scenarios that would happen. Someone would get sick. Did you have medicine? Sometimes you have to tough it out. There might be a rattlesnake. You can get bit by a snake. Your <laughs> axle breaks. You've got to hunt for food. And then you always go overboard with that, right? So like you've got this buffalo and you can't carry that thing back to the wagon. Okay. It was a mm-hmm. whole drama. And it always ended up the end of it was you had to ford the river, right? Yep. Or you had to raft down the river. And if you made it through alive, you were doing good. <laughs> well, and the sad thing about Oregon Trail and computer classes, you never had enough time. Never had enough time to make it to, to make the it end. very And it far. didn't save. Right. So for those of you that are really young, you used to not be able to save your progress on these games and yeah. video games. Original Mario, it was like you would just leave that on. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'll be back. Yep. When to pause, pause. And I'll be back. Don't I'll turn it off. Back. Yep. <laughs> you wanted to beat it. It was it was one sitting or you had to pause Commitment. and leave it on. Yeah. There was there was no getting up. No. Yeah. The same thing with Oregon Trail. It was fun though, even if you didn't make it all the way through. And you could still play that online, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you can. That's that's what Kara and I'll be doing after this. <laughs> We're gonna go ford the river. <laughs> and hope we don't get sick. So what's your first memory of technology in the classroom? I think the first memory of kind of like going to the computer lab would actually be using Hyper Studio. We had Hyper Studio and we might have had paint. Uh, if you got done early, you might get to might get to use paint when, after you do your um, Hyper Studio time and you make your fabulous creations with your Hyper Studio stamps or whatever (laughs) you were using. And then the only other time I ever remember younger, and these are all middle school for me, by the way, because we definitely did not have computers in elementary school. The only time I remember going to the computer lab, which was actually a closet, a long (laughs) closet to, to use the computers was, I think it might've been like eighth grade when we would spend an entire class using Mavis Beacon teaches typing. <laughs> and I can tell you I did not learn to type from Mavis Beacon. I'm pretty sure I learned to type on Instant Messenger in college. <laughs> where I learned where I learned how to type. And then we really didn't use tech in high school at all. I don't know about you, but we're probably like revealing our ages a little bit here, but we could not have um, homework that involved technology because so many people didn't have internet. So we hardly ever used tech in high school. And then as a teacher in undergrad, I had zero training on educational technology. Like not once mm-hmm. was there a class where we did any type of educational technology. I went into the classroom um, and when I started teaching, the technology was an overhead mm-hmm. projector. Like a, like a transparency overhead projector, not a, yes, not a, not like we have now and a really old school box TV that I don't even think it worked. It was up on a, on top of a cabinet. So all the kids couldn't really see it. So I had that. And then my first real, like what I would consider to be real ed tech, real educational technology that I had the opportunity to use was in 2010 when I was in the library 
and I had a Promethean board and a little projector on a cart. So it was never aligned because all my little kindergartners would bump into it and somebody stole the wand (laughs) Um, and I had zero training on it. So I really didn't use it that much. I think that's why for me personally, I'm kind of passionate about educational technology and the professional development and the training on it because I want teachers to have it, but I also want them to use it. Yeah. And I want them to feel confident using it with the kids. So I guess my experience a little bit kind of motivates me and inspires me for this job. Did you have any cool tech when you were in the classroom when you started out? I'm sure in the makerspace you had all kinds yeah, of fun Yeah, in the makerspace, all kinds of fun stuff. But I remember when I student taught in the inner city, we had these things. They called them cows, computers on wheels. <laughs> Please tell me they were gateways and cow printed. They weren't. Were Honestly, they? I don't even remember. <laughs> maybe that maybe that is how they got part of their name. I'm not quite sure. But there was only, you know, like a cart per floor. So like our, you know, we had an upstairs yeah. and a downstairs. And so I mean, really, my my kids never like student yeah. teaching, I didn't ever get to use technology. It was no. it was a uh I feel like we might have even had chalkboards and not even whiteboards. I had chalkboard my very first job. I had a chalkboard. Yeah. Yeah. And so really, I didn't use technology in the classroom other than, you know, just normal teacher things. Like an overhead. If you can call that technology, it's a light bulb, right? Mm -hmm. And a mirror. (laughs) Yeah. And a television and just like your teacher computer. Yeah. And I, I do remember, you know, trying to find lessons or ideas and, you know, the websites and different things then versus now. Oh my word. No, there's nothing. You had to really check the websites out mm-hmm. and get creative. You had to vet them too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, quite honestly, after, I mean, it really wasn't until I was in the library space and, you know, creating the makerspace for the students that I was really like, you know, knee deep in the technology piece of things because I was trying to implement the things that the teachers didn't have time to do mm-hmm. and at the same time survive because to me, the library was a place to learn. Right. And that was a new concept when I came in. I would have never survived college had I not had an elementary librarian, not even not a middle school, high school librarian, because by then you just went if you needed a book for class. But I had an elementary librarian who taught us how to find sources. Right. And you know, she taught us those skills. And so when I found myself in the library, that's what I found important was, you know, the kids need to know how to learn here and use the space properly. That's why I think librarians and those real library media centers and makerspaces are just so important to have somebody that's there to help Mm -hmm. and someone that can help you integrate it. It's so important. So I have to ask you one more question. Okay. So when you had your overhead projector, Were you like me and you spent a large portion of your salary on printable transparencies? Yeah. Or was that just No. Well, I was actually lucky enough to work in a district that we had access to. Oh. Yes. You were supplied with them. But yet one of my aides would usually go and make a copy. Make your copies so that you didn't have to handwrite them. For those of you that might be listening that are younger, we used to have to handwrite 
or print all of the stuff we wanted to project onto transparencies and we would have rainbow colored arms (laughs) and it was great. It was great. Your whole hand would be just colors. A lovely mixture of colors. Yes. Yeah. Although I did, I did appreciate a overhead projector. It was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. You You know, know. they've got their perks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And if you get cold, they are. You can yes. warm yourself by the projector because they get really hot. <laughs> this is true. This is true. If you stayed with us this long, we hope that you'll join us in our future episodes as we talk to other educators about their journey to and through educational technology and as we share some really exciting resources and tips and tricks that will hopefully get you excited and confident about using technology in your classroom and with your students. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our discussion today. If you like our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe to get notified when new episodes are released. For more information about our podcast and to access links and resources referenced in this episode, check us out at fortheloveofedtech.org.